0: Good to see y'all this morning. Um, I'm in the uncomfortable position of the Holy Spirit calling an audible on me. I had notes over there for the sermon that I'm not going to preach. <laughs> um, so, got something else impressed on my mind. So, uh, if y'all are in the habit of praying during sermons, today's a good one to continue that habit. If you're not in the habit, start that habit. <laughs> uh uh it's a good day it's a good day to be here y'all we're exceptionally blessed um we're in a very comfortable space air conditioning's working brother don even got the other one working on the office side so it's more comfortable to hang out over there um soft chairs to sit on uh books with words in it and music so we can follow along and sing together just all sorts of luxury all right we don't need any of that right We can be sitting out in the tree in the grass, for her listening to the word and singing praises to the Lord and making melody of our heart. That's church. That's that's the simplicity of it. All the others just conveniences. Um, and so we're exceptionally blessed. Um, last Sunday, we got into the book of Galatians, and I planned on continuing that today. And well, we're going to take a different tact. Um, the Main thrust of the letter to the Galatian church is: y'all are off base. You've left the truth and you started adding other stuff to it. And so I spoke a lot about staying in the truth and warning about departing to another truth or another gospel, which there isn't another gospel. And the word gospel just means good news. All right? So it's the good news of somebody in particular, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. All right, and so if we're talking about the truth or we're talking about Jesus Christ, we're saying not to depart from it, it feels like I really need to just go ahead and say, here's what the good news is. Now, here's the full version. I can't cover it all today. And given the structure of this sermon, I may not have the chapter and verse ready to flip to it. And so this may be more of a summary um, than a traditional sermon. But I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, good topic, right? Any preacher who's going to talk about Jesus Christ—that's you're, you're closer than <laughs> anything else. So, to learn about Jesus and the magnitude of what He's done, you really have to go way, way, way back. Genesis one one, Patrick, what is it? That's right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? That seems like a good place to start, right? We have to go before that. There was a time when it was just God. All right? There was no universe. There was no heaven and earth. It was just God. All right? He, He is eternal. He's never changed. All right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are there. And God the Father, knowing what he is going to do, selects a group of people that he hasn't even created yet. He says, I'm going to give these to you, son, and they're going to be yours. But there's a problem. Because after, in the beginning, God created the world, he created man, Adam and Eve, right? What are Adam and Eve going to do? Disobey. Disobey. God gave them one command. Don't eat of that tree. The one in the middle of that garden I planted, beautiful garden, all the good things to eat that you could want, just one tree, don't eat of that one. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do you think they did? They ate ate of that one. Do you know what had never happened before they did that? There had never been a death. Not an animal, certainly not a human. There had been no death. Death came into the world because they sinned against God to sin is to disobey god right they disobeyed him and sin entered into the world god told them if you eat that fruit you shall surely die and that word surely means yes literally the hebrew says die die you're going to die it's it's without out of doubt and so they didn't drop dead immediately hit the floor but they began to die naturally adam would live to be an old 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 man he was 930 years. Now go fact check me. It was over 900. Pretty sure it's 930 years. That's a long time. But at the end, what happened? He died. But there was another death that took place, and that was a separation between him and God. Before then, he was perfect. He was very good, right? God created everything. He said it was good. He created, finished it all up. He said this is very good. There was no sin. There was a perfect harmony and relationship between God and His creation. And by man's action, that was broken. God is holy. He is pure. He cannot tolerate to be in the presence of something that is not pure. And so, in giving this group of people to His Son, before He'd even made the world, the Son understood, that it was the Father's will, that He was going to have to fix the relationship between God the Father and the Creator and these that He was going to create because it wasn't going to stay perfect. Sin was going to come into the world and death by sin. Do you know what the right punishment for sin is? Death. Death. The wages of sin, that means that's what you earn, is death. Any of y'all ever sinned? hand's got to be up. We've all sinned. Have you ever disobeyed your mom and daddy? That is a sin. Have you ever talked back to him? You ever lied about anything? You ever been angry at somebody and didn't have a reason? Right? Hating somebody in your heart—all these things are examples of sin, right? But guess what? There's not a single human who's ever lived except for one who came down from heaven, from God, man. Which we'll get to that, and that's 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 a big topic. But every other person is a sinner. Do you want to know how we know? At the end of their life, what happens? They die. they die. Right? That's something that was special about Jesus. That if he had not voluntarily laid down his life, he wouldn't have died. The, sin, the, the curse of death and sin was not upon him. Okay. So sin came into this world, and every person born from Adam and Eve. You want to know who our, our greatest great 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 grandparents are? Adam and Eve. Right? Every other person who's ever lived was a descendant of those two folks. God created Adam out of dirt. He molded him. He breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. He was able to name all the animals because they were looking for a helper for him, a helpmate. And he named all the animals. That's a big job. And they couldn't find one that was fit for him. And so God put him to sleep. This is your first surgery, right? He put him to sleep, took out a rib, and from that, he made a new creature, a woman, right? And Adam said, you know, this is going to be bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh, all right? You can't get more close than that, all right? And he named her Eve, which means the mother of all living. So from those two, those are our original parents. But as our original parents were sinners, every single child that has been born since. Is sinners, okay, and if we're all sinners and the wages of sin is death, and the death, the eternal death, is to be eternally separated from God, something had to change. If we just stopped right there with the understanding that we're all sinners, every single one of us, and the lawful punishment for sin is death, not just but ongoing and eternal death, eternal separation from God. We're in trouble, right? There would be no hope for us, okay? And if it were up to us to clean up ourselves somehow, to be good enough, to be perfect with God, could we do it? Not a chance, right? Because we start in the hole. If you've got a bank account and it's in the negative, right? you're already in the hole, all right? Now you just keep drawing on it and drawing on it and drawing on it and drawing on it. That's us. We started in the negative with our sin, right? Just from being born what we are, our human nature. And then from the moment we go out of the womb, we're speaking lies, right? Y'all ever caught a kid who did it, but he said he didn't do it? He doesn't even have to be able to talk yet. He doesn't have to be able to talk yet. <laughs> Not me, right? You don't have to teach us how to lie. That's part of our sin nature. So we're, but we've got nothing that can bring that balance up, right? We don't have any any righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to cancel it out. So there's a lot of and that's what's going on in the book of Galatians is there's a lot of teaching out there saying, well, if you just do enough good, you can outweigh that negative. That <coughs> worked that way. You can't overcome that balance. Right? We don't have anything good to add to it. All right? We needed something to pay that debt on our behalf, all right? to wipe out that account and bring it not only back to zero, but to put something into it. Right? That's, that's a visual. and that, Kids, that may not be useful for you, but Parents, y'all ever seen your bank account in the negative? You understand how distressing that is. And if you don't have money to pay it, you you have no income, things just get worse, right? Interest and fees. So, before the foundation of the world, the Father, God the Father, gave the Son a people. He said, these are the people. They're going to be yours, but you're going to have to do something for them. They've got this terrible debt of sin. That will separate them from us for all eternity unless we do something. And so, what had to be done was that the Son voluntarily came into this world. Right? You know, at Christmas time, they talk about a babe being born in Bethlehem, right? That's when God, the creator of all the universe, because the Son was there. Everything that was created, He was there in creation. It was all created by Him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they're all there. In creation. He came into creation. He allowed himself to be born of a woman. And he was just like us in a sense that he had human flesh. He'd get hungry. When he was a baby, he had to have his diaper changed. He had to be fed. He had to be carried. Right? All those things. He'd get tired later when he was adult. He'd been walking all day and teaching folks, and they're in a ship. He was asleep. Why? Because he was tired, right? He experienced all the stresses and anxieties and emotions and pain and discomfort that you can experience. But the difference is that He did it with no sin. He didn't have that sin nature. He never sinned once. And because it was the Father's will that these people would be redeemed from those sins. What does it mean by be redeemed? It means to be to have those sins paid off, right? If we owe a debt of death to satisfy the justice of God, somebody had to pay that debt. And so that's what Jesus did. He came down into this world. He was born of a virgin, Mary. He grew up. He was about 30 years old. And he started going around and teaching teaching in a very different way than anything they'd heard before. And a lot of people thought, oh, this is really interesting. And a lot of people thought, this is really dangerous. And there were some who hated him so badly and thought he was going to mess up their situation because they had some power and some prestige. And these are religious leaders. These are the folks that you look at and say, wow, what a follower of God. They're doing all the things on the outside to check all the boxes. But when the Son of God came, they hated him right they hated him so much so that they had him arrested after all he'd done for 3 years was tell about the father and his will and help people he had done miracles that nobody else could do a man who was blind he healed him and gave him sight a man who couldn't walk he healed him and allowed him to walk someone who was dead I mean, they're, they're having the funeral. They're walking out of town to go to the graveyard and he touched the funeral um, you know, what they're toting. All right? and the young man sat up. Right? Are any of these things that you would normally expect somebody to be punished for? No, it'd be amazing, right? But you know what they did? They said, he's trouble. We've got to get rid of him. And so by night, they came and arrested him. They dragged him off to a pretend court. They had several of these different hearings among different folks and they determined that they needed to put him to death. And so the next day, with the help of some Roman soldiers, they took Jesus. God and man in one. (coughs) They beat him. They mocked him. And then they drove nails through his hands and his feet and impaled him on a piece of wood and left him up there until well normally it would be until you couldn't breathe anymore it's a terrible, terrible way to die very shameful the Old Testament would say that a you know, man who dies hanging on a tree is cursed and there's a lot of significance in that about the exact manner they chose because <coughs> we were cursed by sin Right? we were under the penalty and the curse of sin and so by taking on that form of death, that cursed death, he became the curse for us. Right? That debt that we couldn't pay, he paid it in his life, voluntarily. They couldn't have done it unless he was willing. All right? And that's the significance of it, is that this is still God. All right? When he was on that boat and he woke up, right? they're like, we're in a bad storm, you're sleeping, don't you care? We're going to die, we're going to drown. Do you know what he did? He sat up and he told the winds and the waves, Stop it. Y'all ever had a parent tell your kids, Stop it, sit down, hush? Now, normally what should happen is the child should sit down and hush. That does not always happen. Do you know what happened to those winds and the waves? They sat down and hushed. All right? It went from describing a great mega storm to then described it as being a mega calm. <coughs> Every, you know, throw something in the water. Those, those ripples last a long time. Can you imagine how long it would take an ocean or a big, it was a great lake, the lake, Sea of Galilee, um, to calm down after these massive waves? But when the Creator says, sit down and hush, a great calm. How was He able to do that? Because He was God! He made it! It reports to Him. All right? And so, when he was there being led and nailed to that cross, could he have come down? You know, the, those religious leaders were making fun of him and saying, if you're really the son of God, just come down off the cross. Could he have? Yeah, he had the power, right? He could have come down the cross at any time. It's only because of how much he loves you that he stayed up there. Because you know what would happen if he'd come down? We'd still be due to pay for our sins. (coughs) Instead, He bore it. All All the agony, all the pain, all the suffering that we rightfully should suffer in hell for all eternity, He bore at one time. But not just the debt for me, and not just for you, but the debt for all of his children, which Revelation describes as a number bigger than man can count. All of his children who've lived before Christ came and all the ones who lived after. All at the same time. This gets to be mind-boggling. right? Imagine it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of sins, sins for all the people, all their sins for their whole lifetime, put down upon he who was perfect had he ever had to have a guilty conscience about not telling the truth to mom and daddy? No. Y'all ever had that? Right? They're going to find out. Oh, no. <laughs> what am I going to do? And then they do find out. And, oh, it's a lot worse. Yeah. I and mean, if you lie about it, though, will be okay, right? Your conscience and everything, you know. Lord can, can discipline us before we've even been disciplined by our parents, right? He'd never had that. He'd never had any guilt on his conscience. He'd never done anything wrong he never had any separation between the relationship that he had as the son to the father. Y'all ever had a strained time between family members, parents, right? right? There's times when there, there can be friction, right? There had never been that between the son and the father. And for your sake and mine, when he put all those sins... Upon the sun and he bore it and he paid that price for us for a time there was a separation every other time he referred to his father he referred to his father but at one point on the cross after it's been dark for several hours there's earthquakes going on There's all creation is in a stir about what's going on right now he cries out my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To be forsaken means to be left alone, to turn your back on him. All right? So this perfect relationship for a time the Father turns his back as all those sins are pressing down. you know, have ever been pressed down by what you've done wrong? Just feel, I, I'm, I, I, I feel lower than a snake in a wagon rut. I can't even go to God and pray today. Ever felt like that? Now imagine that pressing everything you've ever done, added in of everybody that he was dying for all at the same time. We don't have scientific measurements to quantify what Christ went through. We can't even come close to rationalize it. It's more, it's the greatest display of love that has ever existed. And that will ever exist. It can't be topped. Jesus would say himself that the greatest display of love is for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Right? And that's exactly what he did. But it came at a great, 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 great cost. And so Christ allowed himself to die. And you know what his last words were? It is finished. What's the it? The taking you and I from that damaged spot where we couldn't be with God because of our sins and reunited us. All right? There was a wall between us. There's God and there's man. Before this, there was a wall of sin. And we couldn't go over it. We couldn't go under it. We could not access. All right? And Jesus, by His sacrifice, took that wall down. And so now we have access to the Father. Twofold. In two different ways. You have access to the Father right now. And that when you pray, do you know where your spirit is? Your spirit is in the very throne room of God. You have the right to be there. The way to be there is through Jesus Christ. Through His work. right? And Jesus is there interceding. Speaking on your behalf as he sits beside the father so described sitting on the right hand of the father okay and when you don't know how to pray perfectly cuz guess what none of us do even the holy spirit is aiding you as you pray okay so as he's on that cross and he says it is finished he's declaring that that work that the son agreed to do was the father's will that he do it all the way back before the beginning in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, according as He hath chosen us and given us to the Son, right? Ephesians, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. How did that which is impure and gross and vile, because that's what our sins are, in eyes God, in God's eyes, how does that become? How do we become holy and pure and without and without blame by Him taking away those sins? and putting them on His Son. In exchange, He's going to take His Son's righteousness and impute it on us to get up, give us the benefit of His righteousness. It's as if we lived a perfect life because Christ did it. Right? That's kind of complicated. right? He's the one that God is looking at to examine. Are you worthy to be here in my throne room as you pray? This is one that I gave to the Son and the Son has died for. Yeah, he's worthy. That blood that was shed, it cleansed all those sins. All right? So that's one, one example of how you have access to him now, but that greater is what we're looking forward to. All right? Jesus said that he was going to go away, and he did. He said that when he'd go into the grave and he was going to rise again after three days... He hung around for about 40 days. He didn't show himself to everybody, but he showed himself to his apostles. And I think it was upwards of about 500 folks who saw him living and breathing and walking around and eating um, before he ascended back to the Father. You could see that um, in Acts and other accounts of the apostles. But his body rose up into the clouds. And he told them before he left and before he died, actually, that he was going to go and prepare... A place for us, all right? That where He is, we would be also, all right? And so those same people that God gave the Son, that He's going to die for, He was doing it to prepare a place that they'll be with Him where He is in glory, right? in heaven. That's that's what we're talking about. What are we looking forward to? It's not that things in this world will suddenly be great. I won't have aches and pains anymore. My job won't stink anymore. Whatever it is, you know, there's all these things. If if this would just get better, then things would be better here, right? The world would get better, right? We wouldn't have trials and crime and politicians, right? I don't think there'll be any politicians in heaven. I'm not saying there aren't people who are politicians here, won't be in heaven, but I don't think that'll be a role, right? It's not necessary. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what Jesus went to do. He has purchased us by paying off that debt that we owe, that sin that we couldn't bear. He's made us pure and holy in God's eyes by His blood. And He is going to take us to be with Him. So, one day when we die, our bodies will go in the ground. Our souls go immediately to be with Christ in heaven. I say that immediately. They don't stick in the dirt. There was a thief who was being crucified beside Jesus. At the beginning of the crucifixion, do you know what he was doing? He was making fun of Jesus. He was one of those guys saying, say, hey, yeah, if you want to get down from that cross, please do, and take me down too if, while you're at it. You know, he had been a, a thief. We don't know what else he'd done in his life, but he's now being receiving the death penalty. So we can say he's not probably a savory character, right? And so at the beginning, both thieves, on both sides of him, were making fun of him, right? Come on down from that cross. But somewhere, during those hours while they're hanging on the cross, one thief keeps making fun of them. And the other says, hey, you better knock it off. Don't you understand that we're up here justly? Our crimes have brought us up here. We deserve this. This man's done nothing. He could see then that Jesus was innocent. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into your kingdom. You know what Jesus said? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Was that thief one that the Father had given to the Son? Yeah. At any other point in that thief's life, do you think anyone would have guessed that? No. And so during that thief's life, God sent the Holy Spirit into his life, into him, and gave him life. Right? Where you no longer... You could not see before, you now can see the truth, right? Part of the Holy Spirit coming in is that gives you faith. The ability to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? And that thief, he died that day, right? The soldiers, that was their job to make sure he died. You know what he did? He died, right? But where did his soul go? same place Jesus went when he died. heaven, right? Now, Jesus' body only spent three days in the grave, and then he took it back up. But all the rest of our bodies, they're going to stay in the grave, and they may go back to dirt, right? Which is what Adam was made from. The long enough passes. But one day, Christ has said, Jesus has said, he's going to come back. All right? And there's a lot of things that are going to occur and the exact timeline and order of those is not clear. It's not clear to me yet. But in the end, when you've got this final trumpet that's so loud that everyone in the world can hear it at once. That going to be pretty loud. I'd say so. And the skies are going to part and Christ is going to return. All those graves whether you're in a cemetery or whether you are buried at sea or it doesn't matter where, all those graves are going to pop open or you just travel through it. I mean, Jesus, His glorified body can pass through walls. The dirt may not move at all, but the bodies are going to come up. It says these bodies are going to be changed. This is a mortal bottle, body. You know what mortal means? It means it goes to decay. It goes to die. So an immortal body is one that doesn't change. It doesn't die. All right? So everyone is going to have a new body, and that's where for all of his children that he died for, that body will then be reunited with their soul, and they will be physically in your body, worshiping and in the presence of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the rest of eternity. Right? That's what we believe. and we're talking about the good news, it's that Jesus Christ came into the world of the Father's will and that He was obedient to it, that He would lay down His life for His people to accomplish something. The redemption of His people. To redeem them from their sins. To pay off that debt of death perfectly. And the error that the Galatians got into and that so many other groups get into is they try to say, Jesus did good, but... If you don't get baptized, if you don't say a prayer, if you don't whatever, fill in the blank. These are all things that they try to add into Jesus' work. Whereas if you don't, then guess who is a failure? Jesus. And that's not the case. That's not good news. That's scary news. Because who's that make that dependent upon? You. And from your experience and knowing you, are you very reliable? (laughs) If you've made one mistake, you know, I don't know how many times I've gotten the trash out there at 8.30 and they decided to come at 7 that morning, (laughs) Sometimes they come at 10, but, you know, no big deal, right? I just got to wait another week. But even in something so small, I would mess it up. And I do mess it up. What's the assurance? What's the good news if there's a big question mark beside Jesus' work that you have to do something too in order for His work to be effective? It's not assuring, right? And that's not the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ is victorious. He's the winner. Do you know who He's going to come back and get? Every single one that his father gave him that number that you can't count this is not this is not 144,000 this is an innumerable host if you will every single one will be with him why because it was dependent upon his work and his work was perfect okay that's the good news of the gospel If you can believe that that's true today, then congratulations, the Holy Spirit has already worked on you. Now there there is a time in our life if you've been going to church for your life, when you sat here and you thought, this is a load. This guy's nuts. They're just boring. I don't know what these folks are so happy about. They're in here singing these silly songs and sitting on hard pews and I would much rather be in whatever, fishing, whatever it is, Right? than being here. This makes no sense to me. Alright? You may still be at that point. But in every single one of those children that God gave the Son, at some point in their life, when the Holy Spirit comes into you and gives you new life, gives you spiritual life, things will look different. Things that seemed like such a waste of time and foolishness before now, are the most beautiful things you've ever heard. Right? I don't know if you've ever read Brother Jerry Sr.'s autobiography, but he talked about when he was 14 or 15, however old he was, he'd like to go sleep on the back row of the church. Right? They're having service, he just wanted to go to sleep. And he'd go to sleep, and he was just thinking, these are some of the ugliest people I've ever seen, singing these boring songs. And he described that one day he woke up mid service, and he looked around, and it just looked different. He said, these are the most beautiful people i would ever seen. Logically, that made no sense. Had they changed? No, but something had changed within him. And he would go on to spend the rest of his life preaching the Word. You know, his wife said the day that he joined, she wasn't there. He said, well, they'll just let anything join there. (laughs) Why? Because before that point, his life had looked just like everybody else who doesn't care about the Lord, doesn't care about pleasing Him, doesn't care about serving Him, all right? All of us have had that point in our life where we are chasing the things of this world, things that make me feel good or make me think I'm going to be rich or famous or whatever, all that stuff. And then at some point in our life, there's a shift, all right? Called new birth, regeneration, that means to be born again. It's when the Holy Spirit comes into you and gives you new life. And you can see the truth of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit does that all on His own. That's not me as a preacher. I can't, I can't do that. Right? It's not you hearing the gospel. Right? But when He's done that and you then hear the gospel, it's going to sound different. Right? It's going to bring to light to you who had been living in darkness and ignorance of what Christ has done. Now you can have an intellectual understanding. Yes, I've heard about this Christ fellow. And yes, I know historically that he lived. There's all these records. I mean, he's the most documented man in existence. Right? There's not a doubt as to the fact that he existed. No one doubts that. Not even atheists. But, who he is really, not just a man, but the God man who loved you and died for you and that what you read now applies to you. Right? That's the shift. That's the shift that happens in our life when we hear the good news and all the sins that have been weighing us down for so long, we can realize He's paid for those too. There's nothing that I can hang on to and continue to punish myself more for than what God's going to punish me for. Right? Christ has already been punished for it. Lay it down. This is the good news. This is the truth of the gospel. This is everything that is good and pure and true points back to Jesus Christ. And anytime we start spending our life chasing other things from that, that's when we're off base. That's when we're departing. When we start putting on ourselves the pressure of, of, yes, Jesus Christ is good, but I also need this to be happy. Or I need this to be successful. Or I need this, right? Whether it's people in your life or stuff or fame or whatever it is those are all illusions. Those are all going to go away. There's not a thing that you can buy in this world that's not eventually going to be burned up. Alright? Because after Christ returns, you know what happens to all that we see? Four lights match and it melts. Alright? You know, He's destroyed the world once before. You know that? With a little bit of water? A lot of bit of water, right? Noah, Noah got put in the box and had to float on the top of it, right? The ark? Everyone else... Die. Right? He destroyed it then with water. So this time, it's not going to be water again. It's going to be fire. And all the elements themselves are going to melt with the fervent heat. Because even creation itself is corrupted by our sins. But that inheritance that we were promised, that Christ went to prepare, He's going to deliver that. It's going to remain. It's described as the new heaven and the new earth. You know, one of the features there, there's no sea, right? That was where the earth started, right? There's dark without void. It was um, the face of the earth was was dark. It was just a ball of salt water, basically. And then later, when the earth was flooded, it was just more water, salt water everywhere. When you get to heaven, there's no sea, and that's symbolism for pointing to our sin, right? There's just this river of life. Pure and clear. All right. There's no corruption. There's no tainting. When you're in heaven, you know what won't have anymore? Sin. Sin. No more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. Your bodies won't wear out. You won't have to depart from any of your friends and loved ones anymore. And in fact, the relationships that we have that are so great here below, they won't compare... To the perfect relationships we'll have with every other child of God. They have value because the Father put His love upon them. And you'll be able to love them with the same love based on that value. That's what Jesus said. He said, A new commandment I give you is that you love one another, talking to each other as believers, that you love one another as I have loved you. How great did He love you? A little bit. A lot of it, right? There. Bigger than that, right? My arms aren't big enough, right? So the Ephesians, it talks about you can't even understand the scope of Christ's love. You can't understand the width or the height or the depth or the breadth. I mean, you just, you start pointing lines in all directions and His love is bigger than that and yet Paul's still praying that you'll know it. You can't understand it all, but you can know it. You can know when you're loved by Christ, That's some good news. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's not bells and whistles and, and we talked about the simplicity of, of our church service. Why do we do it? Why do we have it so simple? Because the more stuff you add in, the easier it is to be distracted by it and think that the stuff is the more important. All right? If this whole thing burned down tomorrow, We're still church. We're still one family trying to serve God together. It doesn't matter what room we sit in. What color the paint is. Right? And so we try to follow the simplest pattern for how to worship based on what we find in the New Testament. We see that they preached the Word and they taught see that they gap together and they fellowship together I'm glad to hear that ladies were were doing that recently they break bread together, that's a reference to the communion service, we're going to observe that next Sunday, where we gather together and that's that's, that's a church event that's not an individual, there are some groups who treat communion like this is something for you no, this is is the whole body is coming together and and that's that's a description of the church, we're described as being a body alright Y'all ever had your foot go missing for a day? Was it easy to get around? Well, I can't come because I, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm injured, okay? I'd rather have a limping foot than no foot, right? And so when we're gathered together and taking the Lord's table, taking a remembrance of the Lord's table, that's us gathering together as the, as the whole body here and remembering together and encouraging one another because the purpose of God's designing this church this way is to build each other up. Because there's going to be times when you're doing pretty well and I'm pretty down. All right? In those times, we're praying for one another, we're reaching out, we're encouraging, we're lifting them up. And then later, it'll be different. Sometimes you'll be down, right? The good news is, is I've never been in a church where we're all down at the same time. I've been in times where we've had some, some good times it all feels like we're up for a moment. And those are just for a moment, right? Sometimes we get the joy of those emotional highs, if you will. Um, it's better than that. But you just feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel how close you are to God. And those just, they just seem fleeting. And they are. problem is that we still live in sin-cursed bodies and sin-cursed world, and we still got to go to work on Monday, right? But that's a taste, a little bit of feel for what it'll be like in heaven. Where that won't end. You know? Folks describe heaven as a big worship service, big church service. That's probably true. Right? The best thing we can do is be worshiping God. But unlike here, you won't be tired, your back won't be hurting, you won't be bored, right? It will be perfect joy. That's something to look forward to. That's our hope. So is our hope here in this world? If your hope's stuck down here, prepare for disappointment. Um, if you know, the only benefit you have in Christ is worshiping here below, tends to be more cost associated with worshiping Him. Right? We're, we're living in a time where it's exceptionally easy. Right? This is the abnormal to the rule. You go look back at church history over the last 2,000 years, Generally, a follower of Christ has a lot of pain, has a lot of loss, has to give up homes and jobs and security and family members. Right? When we get to back to Galatians next week. They talks about they suffered so much already. He says, are you suffering in vain because you're walking away from Christ as you're adding in these other layers to depart from the truth so that that persecution would stop? You ever heard of taking the easy way out if you change the truth of God's word the way you present it the way you live it because you're trying to make it more palatable for somebody else that's taking the easy way out now speak the truth in love right? don't be um, brash and argumentative and just causing trouble but we're commanded to stand fast for the Word all right, and the truth and not to depart from it. And so when I talk about not departing from the truth, hopefully this little short summary gives you an idea of the scope of how long the Father has been loving you and how it's never changed and how He knew exactly how He was going to redeem you and how the Son was obedient to that and has accomplished it Perfectly. And at some point in your life, you realize it applies to you. And then you have this massive wave of comfort of knowing what it is and what there's best is yet still to come. Alright? That's the good news. Thank you. Amen.